Welcome to Replant Bootcamp, the boots on the ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. 180 has just launched two new products that we think could really help your church. Stick around to the end of the podcast to hear more. Replant Bootcamp Kansas City edition part two. Part two. We warmed it up with Kyle Bierman. Yeah. So everybody's now set up and ready to hear from the godfather of replanting. All right. When's he coming? <laughs> when does he get here? So it's our illustrious leader, Mark Clifton. Well, thank you. Good to be with you. And uh, everybody coast to coast and all the ships at sea <laughs> who are listening to this. Mostly it's just our moms. I know. <laughs> I know. One of the things we want to talk about, though, is we travel a lot, and we get to see a lot of different replanters who are slugging it out in the trenches, and one of the common things we hear is, man, it's hard out there, and how do guys stay encouraged? How do they stay healthy? A lot of them don't, uh, and they don't acknowledge it, and they just keep operating wounded until they get so bad that they can't keep going, and a lot of times when they're wounded, they uh, do what wounded animals do. They overreact. They fight back. They become bitter and they make their situations worse. I get a lot of emails and texts from guys who are really wounded and hurting, and they'll tell me a list of things that has happened in their church, and it's bad. I mean, they've had to reduce their salary. They didn't get any Christmas bonuses, uh, you know, different things like that. And then they, they talk about the conflict that's at the church, and then, you know, literally, usually a few weeks, a few months later, they text me and say, well, the they voted and, and I'm gone and, you know, I'm in the parsonage and I have to leave. And it's not, it's not funny, but it, it's, it's like we've talked about many times that pastoring, just being a pastor, Satan's, I think, his number one tool. Andy Davis says this in his book, Revitalize. His number one tool probably is discouragement and depression. Yeah. yeah. Because if he gets you to sin, if Satan gets you to sin and you're immediately overwhelmed by remorse of that sin and you repent of that sin, then you're restored and he's gained nothing. But if Satan gets you depressed, you can be depressed for weeks or months. You can be discouraged in the work and he has you where he wants you. So he works really hard on depression and discouragement. And so that's, I don't care what size church you have or whether your church is a church plant or a dying church, Satan's going to use depression on you. It, it's also worse though in a dying church because it's like being in the locker room of a losing team. Everybody's yeah. pointing fingers at everybody. There haven't been any wins for a long time. So eventually they begin to <laughs> obviously point to the pastor. All of that depression and discouragement causes us to be wounded. And then again, what I see is when guys are wounded sometimes, they don't respond in a way with emotional intelligence to things that come up. They end up spending $20 on a 10-cent problem. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody makes a statement. Somebody gives them the eagle eye. Somebody says something about their wife. And it just all gets blown out of proportion because they're already operating from a very wounded position. Really, a lot of a lot of, I see that a lot in dying and, and, and declining churches. And it's this combination of discouraged pastors who are not emotionally in a position to deal with all the daily grind and difficulties and adversities that people bring to you. And it's just this terrible conversion of things where two things come together and the pastor makes poor decisions. He doesn't handle conflict correctly, and oftentimes he's already maybe used up a lot of his credibility, and he ends up getting fired 
And then he's even more depressed and even more discouraged. But then he thinks, well, I just got to find another church, right? I just, I just got to go yeah. someplace else. Yeah. And so he goes someplace else without ever dealing with all that other stuff he went through. And it just repeats the cycle all over again. So that's a big cycle of awfulness. Look, I've had guys email yeah. me and text me even late recently. And if they're listening to this podcast, I mean, I pray for you. I told you I care about you and I do. But when a guy tells me I've had three churches in a row and they've all three fired me, you either you either not looking when you go, or yeah. you're not dealing with it well when you're there. Right. Yeah. But even when they say that, there's this sense of it. I'm an I'm an innocent victim in this. Yeah. 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 So I mean, if you think about the biblical passage, Second Corinthians chapter one, where Paul talks about the conflict and the, the suffering that he endured, one of the things he says is he has a redemptive focus on it. But this happened to us to make us not depend upon ourselves, but depend right. on the Lord. Right. Right. So, what part does the sanctifying work of the Lord play in our life. Does he, is he placing guys in the sovereignty of God? Is he putting guys well, in there? I, I just, look, part of it is I'm, I'm, I'm much older now. When I was younger, I overreacted to things much more. I was much more inclined to, to look at the short-term environment of my church, what was going on in the last couple of weeks. I would way overestimate what that was compared to what's happening over a period of about two or three years. Mm-hmm. And so some of us just in my maturity and being around a long time, I've sort of mellowed out a little bit, but at the end of the day, if you are the kind of person, and it's hard not to do this, but if you find your purpose, your joy, your worth, your meaning in how your church is doing, Mm. is it growing? How are people feeling about me? What are they saying about me? If that's where you find your joy, you're always going to be, you're going to be searching for that. You're going to be looking for that. And you have to find your joy in just simply Jesus and in nothing else and just the gospel. And as I said so many times, quit talking to yourself and start preaching to yourself. There you go. Because when you talk to yourself, you're just saying, I deserve better. You're like Martha. You know, nobody cares. I do all the work. And you just got to be like Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus. And that will never be taken from you. So, you know, I, I kind of look back at Henry Blackaby. When he first went to, to Faith Baptist in Saskatoon, you know, we're talking a church that was literally had a for sale sign in the front yard. It truly did. When he got there, he pulled up with a for sale sign in the front yard. There was no way they were going to be able to pay him and take care of his family. The church was very seriously considering closing. It was, it was a terrible mess. And I mean, he didn't turn around quickly. It was a long, slow process, but I've heard Henry say so many times, his joy was in the obedience of being what God placed him. He didn't worry about all those other things. And he spent tremendous amounts of time with the Lord and, and really dived into his word and really understood he was doing what the father wanted him to do. And his love and his joy was in the father, not in the affirmation of people, which again, you have to be careful as a pastor. We have a tendency to feed off our congregation rather than to feed our congregation. I think one of the, the things that can contribute to this is some churches have created a culture, it seems, where it's not a safe place for the pastor to admit struggles or weaknesses or at least i know i think there are some churches that have created that culture and then i think a lot of times pastors even contrive that culture within their own selves so they don't feel like they can be open about yeah struggles. i think I, here's what andy again andy davis says this and i think it's very i think it's really wise so as you listen to this turn this up and listen to it you you need to be able to be vulnerable but you've got to be very cautious about how vulnerable you are with your people. Yeah, that's good. You'll lose yeah. your leadership quickly. If every Sunday you're just crying the blues about how bad you are and how difficult it is and how depressed you are, they're not going to listen to you after a while. 
they're going to go like, what's he doing? Yeah. Now, at Warren L., where I was as for 10 years, over time, I had a group of elders around me that I had a relationship with that was so strong and so well-founded that I could, with those elders, be very transparent and very vulnerable. But I would never do that from the pulpit. I would never do that with a larger congregation. And in some cases, I wouldn't do that with my immediate elders if you didn't have that kind of relationship with them. Who do you, but you still have to do it. So you need to do it with some other pastors, yeah. your director of missions, some folks that are outside your church. You have to be very cautious and judicious about how much you show your church of your own personal struggle. You need to let them know you're, 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 you're not perfect, obviously. And there are certain ways you can say, I'm struggling with these things and all, but you cannot begin to use your church as your therapist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, that, and sometimes when you first do that, you get all kinds of affirmation from your congregation. Mm-hmm. Oh, pastor. Sympathy, and you think, yeah. sympathy. We all like that. Oh, yeah. And so then we keep going to that well. Well, you know that well too many times, and they're going to be they're gonna be done with it. <laughs> yeah, suck it up, big boy. Come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah because they got problems too. Sure. Yeah. Right? And, they're, yeah. and they're not getting paid to be a Christian, and you are. And that's yeah. kind of how some of them look at it. And so, you know, they're out there struggling with the same stuff you are. And so don't hear me. I'm not being harsh. I think, and I think you do need to share things with people. You cannot do this in isolation, but just be careful how much you share with your congregation. You know, I, I, I do. I, I, what I'll do sometimes if it's appropriate, if it's in the text, if it's, it's, if in the sermon, you know, there's something about anxiety or discouragement. I will simply say, you know, as your pastor, this is something I deal with in my life too, is anxiety. I don't get into the detail about it. I don't say, you know, I just acknowledge it and say, it's a battle. I continue battle and I'm working. You know, I think that's legit. I think, for me to go into detail about what it looked like this week in my life and how I, you know, all the issues I had. <laughs> and, how, and how hard y'all are making it. And how it hard y'all yeah. are making it. <laughs> it's on your me. fault. Pro- probably not. Uh, but even that, I've got to be careful. I don't want to be saying that every week that I've got, I've got this because I've got the gospel too. Sure. Right? I mean, the Apostle Paul did say in 2 Corinthians, as you quoted, he did say, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, about the, the concerning what happened to us in Asia, right. where we actually feared we were under sentence of death. Yeah. I mean, he didn't say that. But then the very next sentence he said, however, this was caused us not to trust in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ who's raised from the dead. So, you know, if you want to use your own weaknesses and inadequacies to point to the cross, that's one thing. If you're just using your weaknesses and inadequacies because you need the sympathy, don't get that from your congregation. So aside from the elders, you know, developing a group of pastors or deacons DOM, or whatever, DOM, or whatever but, but you got to be careful. Right? Even the deacons, you got to be very yeah, cautious yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, they lose confidence in their leader. That's right. What What are some personal things that the replanter can do? Because some guys don't have those things. Have those men? Have those people in their life? Are there Are yeah, there certain read, practices? Read, read the Puritans every day. I'm serious. Just read Read Thomas Watson every day. Read Read some good Puritans every day who who struggle with things and and found their joy in the gospel. I think that's very helpful. I think read Spurgeon, read morning and evening every day. Listen to some good stuff every day. I mean, you know, all of Martin Lloyd-Jones sermons are available online for free on the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust. And spend an hour a day listening to Martin Lloyd-Jones. When you feel depressed and discouraged, listen to him. He's not very funny. He's not going to tell any jokes or anything, but I mean, he's, he's pretty serious. But he, what he's doing is communicating the gospel to you. So I, I think, you know, I think that's really important, what you read. I mean, frankly, if you're already given to discouragement which and anxiety, which which I, I, I am most of the time, you know, generally speaking, scrolling through Facebook and Twitter does not 
edify me. It doesn't make me feel less discouraged. It doesn't make me, make me feel less anxious. Sure, there's a scientific report now. It, right? it increases it. And so if I, would, if I would spend as much time reading, obviously, the Scripture, all right? Yeah. But I'm talking reading the Puritans, reading some of those John Owens and, and Thomas Watson, reading, reading those guys as I do scrolling through Facebook and Twitter, I think that would be very helpful. And when you look at their lives and reading, reading Christian biographies, because when you read like the biography of Judson, yeah. you realize he came to a place in his life where he dug his own grave and sat by it uh, and said, I know God is there, but I don't think I could ever know him. I mean, we've all felt like that. So that, that, that common spirit with that is important. So reading Christian biographies is really important. Mm -hmm. Reading good Puritans is really important. Uh, getting the book, the Valley of vision, which is a book of Puritan prayers mm -hmm. and, and sort of praying through, as it's using those as your models for prayer, uh, all of those things. Secondly, create margins in your life and have hobbies and have fun things you like to do. So figure out something, some things you enjoy doing. Now I know some of you, most of you may be bivocational. They don't have any time to do that. Well, you got to make time to do it. You got to figure mm -hmm. out some way to do it. Right. But find something that you enjoy. You know, I, I like a lot of things. I have a variety of interests and, and uh, uh, there's a lot of things I, I can spend my time with and enjoy, whether it's collecting things or, or certain kinds of music, certain kind of concerts. I like trains and you putting trains together, old model trains. But I also, I, I love history. And so, you know, now that you've got Amazon Prime, I mean, I don't know, last couple of years or last year or whatever, I've, I've, I've learned all about the Boer Wars. Seriously. I mean, I knew nothing about the Boer Wars, you know, and the Crimea Wars. Those are great. I've learned all about uh, what, what led up to the First World War and all the intrigue of that. You know, that's just me. I mean, I can watch that for an hour or two, really get kind of lost in that. Yeah. And it's very helpful because when I'm done watching it, I've learned a lot, yeah. but it sort of takes me out of my moment and puts me in that place. Now, some people don't like history, but I like history. I'd say you'd be cautious if you're doing that with like fiction because some of it's not edifying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you just want to, you know, I, I, gotta be, I think you'd be careful about that. But I think history teaches us a lot anyway. And so uh, I enjoy that. So find a hobby, right? First, Read scripture, read the Puritans, listen to good preachers, uh, read biographies. Secondly, find a hobby, something you enjoy doing, spend your time doing it. And, uh, and these aren't sequential, they're really all together. And, and thirdly, for goodness sakes, just enjoy your family. Here's the two rules for raising kids. Love Jesus and have fun. <laughs> and everything else will probably work it out. You know, just, just love Jesus and make sure you have fun with your kids. And do not unload on your wife and your children your church problems. They are not called to be elders. You are. Yeah. So they don't have the gift set nor the spiritual strength to deal with all the church problems. So don't, don't lay that on them. So enjoy your family. I mean, seriously, enjoy your family. Yeah. Enjoy a hobby. Spend great time in God's word and great time in Christian biographies and readings from good Puritans and those kinds of things. And just realize God's going to transform that church at some point. Yeah. If not while you're here, then when he returns, yeah. he'll transform it into a perfected bride. And uh, those who are unregenerate, well, they'll find that out that day. And you don't need to worry about that anymore. So I think sometimes we feel like the church is way too much our responsibility. And our responsibility, as Henry Blackaby showed us so well in, in Saskatoon when he was there, is just to be faithful. Just, yeah. just to remain there and just be faithful. And that's what I would encourage guys to do. But I tell you what, you start reading those Puritans, and you and you look at their biographies and the life they lived and the struggles that they had. And many of them lost many children to disease. Uh, they had tremendous difficulties with their even with their marriages and their health of their wives, and sometimes the mental health of their wives for some of them. And then just the struggles in their own churches. 
And just and yet how the gospel and focusing on the cross and focusing on Jesus really sustained them through that. And then lastly, just fight for it. Don't curl up and give up. Just fight for your joy, fight for your family, fight for the gospel, fight for your church, because Paul said, you know, I have fought the good fight. And so uh, just uh, suit up and, and battle it out. Now, easy for me to say that, you know, because there are some days just getting out of bed is a battle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I understand that. What are some signs if, if a guy says, all those are awesome and great, but let's just say a person comes in and is like, and thank you for that, all those suggestions, but I'm just to the point where I can't do this anymore. What are, what are some of the signs that, and you're to a point where you're so discouraged or maybe you're so spiritually unhealthy that it's probably a time for you to consider transitioning out. What, what would some of those signposts be? I don't know. I mean, uh, Martin Luther spent 15 months refusing to get in the pulpit. You know, uh, he preached in Wittenberg. <laughs> I think he preached sometimes twice a day. I know one year they, he preached over 150 times. You yeah. know, came from miles around to hear him preach. But then he became so frustrated with the lack of response from his preaching. I mean, it was almost as though I think he felt like people were coming to be entertained, yeah. coming to see sort of a celebrity. And uh, he became quite angry about that. I think he called them beasts and said they weren't worthy of the gospel. And if their life didn't change, he was not going to preach again. And he didn't. He went 15 months and didn't preach a sermon. Um, was that was that godly? I, I don't know. But I mean, the point is, if you ever feel like you want to pull the fire alarm so you don't have to go to church on Sunday morning, then so did so did uh, Martin Luther. I think we all come to times in our lives when we go, I'm done with this. I don't sure. want to do this anymore. I mean, so many times yeah. I wish I had a marketable skill beyond ministry. You know, yeah. I, I can't make any money anywhere else. Are we? So Puppet ministry is no, not an not option for you anymore? I'm being kind of facetious <laughs> about that. But, but you know, I, I, how do you know when you're ready to give up? Well, it's not, it's not from discouragement. It's not from the lack of results. I think one thing is if it's destroying your family. Yeah then yes, you got to quit. Yeah. You got to take care of your family. I think number two, if it's, if it, if over a long period of time, if it's destroying your faith, if it's destroying your Christian walk, if, yeah. if you're becoming bitter and cold and angry and distant from Christ, and you're really being a hypocrite in the pulpit. Now, all of us are hypocrites sometimes in the pulpit. I mean, let's just be honest. We're all failing people until Christ returns, but I'm talking about a, a, a systemic pattern of just being a hypocrite in the pulpit. I think those kinds of things are probably opportunities for you to say, it's probably time for me to, to step aside for a while and not be in the pastorate any longer. And let me just be honest. Some of you guys should never be in the pastorate in the first place. Hmm. I would never say that to you face to face. I don't have the guts, but we're on a podcast. So <laughs> I'll say it. So the 12 guys that are listening, <laughs> I'll say it on a podcast. I, I, I think sometimes God has called you to be, something other than a senior pastor. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. in your own mind, you feel like I need to be a senior pastor. I, I need to do that. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of guys who are in a pastoral role and a senior pastor role, even of a very normative sized church that God's not really gifted you to do that. And you have to come to terms with that. And he may just, he may want you to be a incredible deacon or a good Sunday school teacher. Or how about this? Just a great church member yeah. Yeah. who disciples other people. Yeah. You know, sometimes this I need to be a pastor is a little bit, sometimes that's, I need that affirmation. I need that identity. And so I, well, that, that's I think, one of the signs that the, I mean, the Lord's going to make that hard for that man. Yeah. He says that. I don't, I don't have the quote written down anywhere and I can't, I haven't really found it, but I, I've heard that Martin Lloyd Jones said one time, I've heard him, I've heard he said this. Anybody on the 
podcast, if you can find the actual quote, I'd like to have it. But I heard that he said one time, we have too many churches because clearly God has not called that many pastors. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was serious. And I know we live in a time where we want to do rapid multiplication. And we often talk about the fact that almost anybody can start a church and pastor a church. I don't really know, I know where I'm landing on that. I, I know that it is God, it is Christ who starts the church, not an individual. And I know God can work through absolutely anybody, you know, and our weakness he's made strong. So, but on the other hand, I know there has to be a calling. You are an anointed under shepherd. That is a specific calling on your life. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to pastor or be on a pastoral team either. So I think some guys are pastoring who are not called to pastor. I think one of the things that happens in discouragement and depression is a tendency towards isolation. I'm an extrovert. I'm a people person. I want to be around people. When I went through my dark season at the church that I, the replant that I pastor, I all of a sudden turned completely into an introvert. I, I mean, really more a misanthrope. I mean, I, 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 I just didn't like people. In gen- I didn't want to be around people. I, I would hide in my office on Wednesday before dinner and wait till dinner already started and then just go sit with my wife and kids because I didn't want to talk to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the things I had to do was get out of that isolation and find, find some pastors that could encourage me, challenge me, disciple me, and, and help me find my hope in the gospel again. We'll talk about the importance of... Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've you nailed it. I mean, that's, you know, I, my worst and most difficult times are when I'm alone and I'm, I'm not interacting with anybody because then you do listen to yourself and you, you listen to the adversary and you, you turn inward. Obviously, isolation is where he wants you to be. Yeah, this is kind of corny, but my wife and I were driving last weekend out to see her parents and our son and his wife out in near the Flint Hills of Kansas. And all these, these geese, these amazing, beautiful white winter geese were migrating and they had all landed in a, in an old cornfield. I mean, there were, I'm not exaggerating. There, there must've been thousands of them. And so we stopped the car and rolled the window down and the noise was incredible. You know, it was just amazing. These over oh, thousand, we took video of it. You know, I don't know why we did. Nobody cares to see it, but it was, we did, you know, <laughs> well, take a video of all the geese, but there they were. It's what we do. It's what we do. And then when they would fly away, they would fly away in a big, a big group, a big flock of geese, right? We remarked to ourselves, isn't it interesting that, you know, they, they even though there's a huge cornfield, thousands of them are all right there crammed together. You know why they're the same thing for wildebeest or any other animals like that. What you do is if you're, if you get a thousand of them together, well, let's say there's a, you know, a couple of coyotes that show up. Well, he can eat one or two, but he can't eat a thousand. Right. So there, so there's security in the number. Whereas if you're the only one over here by yourself, you're getting eaten. He ain't going to come to the flock. He's going to come to you. If you think, if you're Bob the duck and you think I'm going to go over here and eat all by myself because there's more food over here, believe me, the coyote's going to eat you. I feel like it's a mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom. So what I'm saying is in nature, you know, those animals that are vulnerable to attack, it is, it is the herd. It is the school. It is the flock that, that gives them protection. And so, seriously, if you will stay with other believers, stay with other pastors, uh, there is, there is, there's security in that. But if you just kind of peel off by yourself and go, oh, I'm going, then you are truly, truly 
uh, going to be under attack by Satan. Yeah. One of the things I just want to bring up, so like in my dark season, uh, medication was a, a necessity for me because of the, the trauma and uh, response and just the brain chemistry that I had going on. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there's sometimes when, and again, mental health is a big issue that we ignore and we just kind of want to suck it up and, you know, work hard and those sort of things. But there's sometimes when medication is, in, is important and necessary and needed. So for the guys out there, particularly the guys that are regularly can't get out of bed, Right. go to bed early, mm-hmm. don't talk to anybody. Everything is awful and everything is a thousand watt problem. Yeah. Like that's, those are probably some signs that, that you need to have a conversation with your counselor and your, your uh, physician about medication. Well, and I think too, uh, not only medication, which you need to see your doctor, obviously, but you know, it, if you need to see a Christian counselor, not mm-hmm. if you need, when you need to see a Christian yeah. counselor, go see a Christian counselor. They're trained, a good one. Yeah. Don't go see a bad one. But Does <laughs> <laughs> he need any distinguishing marks? To say? Yeah. Look at their Yelp reviews. The first, so my, my wife deals with depression and anxiety. She's very open about that. And uh, one of the first counselors she ever went to see, literally the very first session said, I would like you to close your eyes, pretend that you're a tree. Oh, I like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you know, we live in a day where, where anybody can almost, you know, put up a shingle and say, I'm a Christian counselor. So I'm serious about that. You know, you want to get some serious help. The point is, you find a, a really valid, gifted, equipped Christian counselor, which, which I had have one and had one, someone who can really help you focus and engage you in conversation that are that's very helpful to help you really identify what it is the adversary is really doing in your life. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was very helpful to me. So finding a good, and by the way, if you're a pastor, you better find a good Christian counselor so you can recommend people. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you, yeah. you, you don't, I mean, people need help and you can't do it all. And so you better have one or two Christian counselors you can recommend people to. So they don't, they, they do go to people that need, and, and one of the best ways to find out about that is for you to go yourself. All right. So just to just kind of summarize everything, one, it, it doesn't make you a failure as a pastor. It doesn't make you a bad pastor. You need to understand what's going on. Be honest about it. Sure. Spend time in God's word. Jump into some Puritans. Jump into some good biographies of some guys who have really been through it. Know that you're amongst good company. Find a good hobby. Find a good way to have some recreation. Do something and do not be alone. Do not isolate. Not only should you have good pastor friends and other people, safe people, whether that's your elders, deacons, and you got to use wisdom to decide that, other pastors, associational missionary, somebody, but you probably need to consider talking with a Christian counselor as well. There's just going to be a good, healthy process of working through and processing some of those things. And time out. Your state convention would probably be a good place to go. So yeah. wherever, if you're a Southern Baptist, contact your state convention pastor relations office and just say, hey, uh, I'm over in this part of the state. Uh, do you have any recommendations of some good counselors? And they, I'm sure they would help you too. So don't, don't, leave, don't forget your state convention as well as your associational mission strategist, yeah. those two guys. For the guy that's out there that doesn't think he has those individuals' resources near him, he can call the pastor hotline number at 1-844-PASTOR-1, and that will connect him with uh, some folks who can find confidential 
uh, they can talk to him confidentially. He can talk to uh, some trained folks who can walk him through it. And I know we need we need to wrap this up, but probably a podcast you all need to do for another day is you know the pastor and his family because a lot of times the real the real way Satan gets to you for depression and discouragement is to weaken your marriage. And uh, when yeah. you when you've got a stressed out, and everybody has a stressed out marriage, okay? I mean that's just. I don't mean they're stressed out all the time, every day, but everybody's marriage goes through stress. Yeah. So what happens to that pastor when his marriage is going through stress and he still has to you know, do the work of a pastor? So we didn't even talk about that, but I'm sure some of the guys listen to us, their, their marriages are, are in seasons of drought right now yeah. and, and difficulty. And that's, that's such a priority. It is a priority. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed this, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends, subscribe, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We want to thank our podcast sponsor, 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. They've just launched two awesome new products to help churches, church plants, replants. The first one is called Launchpad. It's an all-in-one custom branding and website bundle developed specifically for planters, replanters, and revitalizers. We need to get things moving quickly. The second one is Church Quick Site. It was created for churches working with tight budgets and can help them get an amazing new church website in as little as one week at a really affordable price. Check out 180.church to learn more about these special new offerings and how 180 can help move your church forward. Mm-hmm.